We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast. This week hosted by me, Mickey. I'm joined in the room by, where, uh, by Ben and Si. Hello. Hello. And Mike on the phone as always. And who's living oh, room? Are we in? And we're in Dodgy's house, but he's not doing it. Sorry, Mike. Introduce yourself again there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Good start. Let's dive straight into it then. Um, I guess everyone watched it. I didn't. I watched... I got to the pub at half time and left at 62 <laughs> left two thirds of my pint I, just, oh. I, was, I was on my own I was just like fuck this I'm not staying and watching the rest of this like absolute oh, joke yeah. what, what happened what I happened must, at half time well I, I swear because I was watching it on so many different streams that were going up and down every five minutes I swear when I flicked back on I was watching a different match <laughs> after 60 minutes it was just mental it was, like we'll all agree obviously yeah, everyone's been saying it all week we should have been like 3-0 up 4-0 up whatever you want to say we absolutely smashed them in the first half but there's absolutely no excuse for getting absolutely humped like that for 20 minutes it was just we just completely gave up I've never seen anything like it yeah I, I was going to say exactly the same thing I've never ever seen 15 minutes of football like that in my entire life watching watching footy yeah. it was absolutely ridiculous it just kept scoring everything they hit went in we couldn't, we couldn't pass the ball, we couldn't make a tackle, I and mean, we couldn't even get within a couple of yards of them, let alone make a tackle. Ben, did yeah, you watch it? I, I did, I, I stuck through it at the bitter end, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it, it was just bizarre for the second time in two weeks. I've not seen a better 45 minutes put in by the lads, and then it'd just be a stark contrast when, when they've gone in time. It's almost as if we don't want the breaks, we just want to carry on playing. I mean, that. They came out and I mean, obviously it was a blow them scoring just before half time, um, but 
just to capitulate the way they did was embarrassing. Um, it doesn't look good on McLaren, the fact that he's had them in when they've just conceded. He's had 15 minutes with them to stir them up and they've come out and shipped in five goals yeah. in 15 minutes of that. Um, they weren't even particularly brilliant goals. I mean, a couple of them were good finishes. Um, I mean, Mbembe gave away the ball for one of them, really sloppy. Um and there was another one I can't remember we basically gave the ball away on two of them where they just went through one on one and scored um, but you just you just look they were, they had so much more energy about them um, it was one of the goals I think it was De Bruyne's where they were breaking basically four on three and Gufran who was meant to be sort of playing a holding midfield role was just jogging you yeah, could barely was. see him at the side of the screen just jogging back and you're thinking what are you doing mate like should be bursting along to get back in, in especially considering he's only just got back into the team which, I mean let's not spend too much time on Gufran again no, this week not. but what a joke that is look up at Gufran last season how he's still on the pitch is just mental. as a centre midfielder again nothing's it, changed nothing at all it just, it just shows how thin the squad is um, and it's also it makes you question what A what McLaren's playing at and B the the standard of youth players coming through. And see what the hell's going on with Tiodi? Why couldn't yeah, Tiodi play? Why exactly. on earth were playing Gufra in centre midfield when we've got Tiodi who three years ago was our best player? Like, what the hell's happened? Yeah, there's no, rumours. There's rumours out there that he's had a big fallout with McLaren. Mm. But if that's the case, he wouldn't he be coming on. He doesn't come on, does he? Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, so. it's but I mean, there's there's a few young players that we've had come through that are meant to be getting game time, and you you would think then I mean, they like a bigger armour was sort of on the the fringe of a year or two ago. He's completely just gone missing. Like, I mean, he should be. He's coming at the edge now, where he should be fighting for a team. He wasn't very good. He wasn't Premier League standard, but he's still a better option than Gufran. Mm-hmm. Like, why are none of these players being given a chance? Why? Why stick with? I don't know how old even Gufran is. Maybe he's like twenty eight or something. Yeah, he's like twenty. He's, he's, he's not going to. He's not going to improve. He's <laughs> not going to get. Like, and, and and as I think uh, someone put out on the the Twitter, he's a striker. Yeah. <laughs> Just he's, he's not a defensive midfielder, so he's he's gonna he's not gonna have that work ethic. It's um, just a weird like, to play a midfield role. It's a weird like putting players into a formation instead of finding a formation to suit the players again. Like it's just stupid. Well, that's that's been our issue for so long now. I, it just it's nonsense. We'll talk about McLaren in a bit. Do you think? Do you think Saturday was a case of us just totally capitulating at halftime, or do you think there was? A certain element of the Man City brilliance. Do you think? Do you think that would have happened against a, a worse team? You, you can't just say we were terrible. They were good. It's this is what happens when you come up against a team with like where every player is worth thirty million plus. Like mm-hmm. that sort of thing can happen. You're gonna get battered if you switch off for ten minutes, which we did. We totally deserved what we got because we, well, I don't think we deserved what we got because we should have been two 0 up and it would have been totally different if that three. goal that goal wasn't offside at all. And Mitrovic had another chance, but you know, they missed good chances in the first half as well. Mm-hmm. But we definitely should have had two. We should have scored two goals. Two nil at half time is a lot easier to hang on to, and because it was only one nil, and then it was one one just before half time, like they were always going to get back in it from that stage. With Aguero, like you just have to give half a chance. Like that's the thing. You look at a, a, someone. Like, I mean, I don't think it was pretty their team. You, you say they're a team full of thirty million players, forty million plus, whatever. They were okay, but it was Aguero with the difference there, and it just shows when you've got a world class player. You, it, I mean, we're not going to come across, we're not going to come up against too many of them sort of type of players yeah. this season. Um, I agree with that. It was just a one, a one individual had a blinder. Having said that, 
you, we still would have lost that game against other teams because of how sloppy we were oh, for yeah. some of the goals. That was exactly my point. If you put us against the West Ham there and we came, came out like that, the striker doesn't score five, but yeah. he, he probably gets get two. two. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still, we're still 3 1 down. So. Yeah. To be, that, to be fair, lads, did you um, did you hear Pellegrini at the end of the game apparently said uh, that Aguero is not even uh, close to hundred percent? Yeah. Could it be worse? Just salt <laughs> in the wounds, that isn't it? There's no need, <laughs> Pellegrini. The thing is, after sixty minutes, I was I was googling, has anyone ever scored six goals? And they haven't in the Premier League. And I was thinking, just give them thirty minutes. You yeah, might as well try. Yeah. That'd be interesting. There's five players have scored five goals. Yeah, Are you million? kidding us? You were actively seeking someone to. Score more goals. Well, no, I wasn't really. But it was, I was like, I was like, I was like, he's just scored five goals. Some sort of record's happening here. Uh, yeah. there's, that, uh, there's actually five players who've scored five goals in the Premier League game. Do you want to? Do you want to play that? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, the Shearer and Cole. Shearer and Cole. Defoe yes. got yes. five. Berbatov, um, I think. Berbatov, yeah. yeah. One more. Don't know. And then Aguero and no, Aguero, isn't yeah. it? There's only five. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> that's well. five. So there you go. Good game. Um, so moving on, <laughs> it's not it's not the first time this season where we've completely just fallen apart when we've conceded, particularly around half time. Mm. Do we think that this is just a hangover from the all the terrible stuff that was going on last season? From the Carviers, or is this something yeah. that's that's just ingrained into this players at the club and is going to keep happening? I think it's a mix of both. I mean, there's got to be. I mean, I think it's not. It can't always be the managers. I mean, as bad as Carver was, and obviously Parchi had his, um, his, his detractors, but at the end of the day, <laughs> the, it, I mean, with, with, I think we talked last week about the, the characters in, within the, the team, and it just it just points to the fact that just nobody's really willing to stand up and sort of fight. Um, and I think when you see a performance like that, and you see it a, a time and time again, I mean, it was one that was put to. Um, Put to Pardew a lot. Obviously, he he took a few hammerings in his time. Would would wouldn't just lose games one 0 two 0 Would would get fours fives per pass where, um, and it's still the same players. It's still the same team. We've added a bit of quality going forward, and we've, we've bought one defender, but it's still that the core of that team, or have had it to them time and time again. Um, and as I say, I think Colacini's he's not he's not really the type to put his body on the line for anything. I mean, someone. Um, was saying last week maybe thought he should have done a bit better with the Ramirez goal he didn't really go in to block it he sort of half put a foot up and just sort of let let him let the, get the shot away there you you should be just flying through the player get, get the ball get anything on the ball I mean I've never really been a big fan of his but John, John Terry's someone like that where he, he'll sort of take it full in the face if he needs to and things like that Colicini's just not got that in him unfortunately And he, he did once he doesn't anymore I think he did once there was times when he was hoying himself about getting in all mm. sorts of places but he's just he's just past caring I think he's looked long past it yeah. both in terms of like you're right he doesn't seem to care anymore but he just doesn't seem to have it anymore either yeah. he's still a good defender but he's not he's not got that energy he's not the Colicini of yeah. 2011-12 where yeah, he, was, he was the I mean, best defender in the league he's not going to be there given his age is he but no, it's he's just not just the fact that we rely on him so heavily. Well, he should have been replaced, shouldn't he? Is exactly. He should have been replaced. Um, well, I, I see Mbemba as a long-term replacement for him, but then we need another defender. Well, that's the thing. Lascelles came on for 10 or 15 minutes at the end. Um, or was it? Actually, it might have been under that, wasn't it? When Mbabu came off injured. It says a lot but about him, by the way, that he's he, not getting in the team ahead of Mbabu. I think no offence to Mbabu, looks, who looks good. I think, I think it's probably not a fair comment to make, though, because... You, you look at how big he is. I mean, we, we brought him on because it was the last 
basically last resort. He was the only other fit defender we had on the pitch. He's a big, tall um, lad. Doesn't look sort of the, the most quickest. You would you wouldn't want him mm. <laughs> trying to mark a, a Hazard or a, a Sterling or someone that's that quick. I think he's better suited to be a centre back. And I think Babu showed last weekend. He's faster. He's he's a bit more agile. And he's, he's probably quicker on his feet to to play the full back role where you you're gonna be sort of exposed more to, to speed whereas centre back you've usually got your, your sort of partner to cover behind you if you do get done but yeah I, I don't know it, I mean it, it it just shows again that the squad is so bare um, that we're, we're having two young young defenders who shouldn't be anywhere near the first team are having to start for winner. now yeah. um, and the fact that we're having to play strikers at hold mid they the spent fifty million for five players we or don't four have players. To play at home, <laughs> Nobody <laughs> has to play a striker at home. But do you know what I mean? It, who, 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 when, I mean, obviously, Tiote is coming back from injury. Um, they probably didn't want to risk um, sort of him being out any any further any any longer. I just think it's you've, you've spent fifty million in the summer, but really we've got some decent players in. But was that really the right way to spend it? Would you not have been better sort of fattening out the squad a bit? I don't know. It's a it's an argument for another part. I think, but it is. Um, it's just disappointing. Regardless of how you look, how you look at the the way things have gone this year, I, I agree with you, Ben. A lot of the responsibility has got to fall on the players, but at the same time, it's it seems to be obvious that we're making the same mistakes in terms of team selection. Goofran being back in the mix again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, I mean, it's just a disgrace, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're playing the same formation. There's just no, there's no new ideas, and there doesn't seem to be anything. Um, doesn't seem to be anything different to Carver, which I find remarkable from what little I knew about McLaren beforehand. I was ho- hoping he might be able to tell us, Mike, was there anything, was there any sort of signs last year from McLaren's time at Derby that he would, that he was just going to be a nothing manager and not really do anything at all. Yeah, well, I, I think there were there were clear signs from really from from the time that Newcastle first make it started. There was there making noises about him possibly coming um, either at the uh, end of last season or, or halfway through. I mean, if you look at Derby, uh, by the end of February they were top of the championship, clear at the top, and they finished the season eighth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he won one won, game, won, didn't two, he? won two of the last thirteen games, and yeah. uh, he. Talks a lot, McLaren. If you, if you look at this statement he made after after he was actually sacked in the end by Derby, um, he, he goes through a whole host of um, of reasons why he shouldn't have been sacked, and our average attendances are up. But but the facts are, oh, he did a good job in his first season when he took over from Nigel Clough, who had done an excellent job setting the foundations there. And he had a lot of he had a really talented group of young players coming through that that, that Clough had, had really brought through and and got them uh, you know as fixtures in the first team. So. It was set up quite nicely for him when he came into Derby, really. Um, and, and he did do a good job, got them to play a final, got them within, a, within touching distance of, of, of the Premier League. But you, you've got to look, at if you're top of the league at the end of February and then don't even make it to playoffs in that championship where, you know, there, there was no outstanding team as there has been in the last few years in a championship. Um, it, 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 it was it, it was poor and, and you've got to question his his ability to... to to, to, to manage a group of players, uh, you know, in adversity, when perhaps your your, your key striker is out injured, or yeah. when things don't go for you, um, uh, and to do that off his own back. Now, uh, I think that the issue is that all things being relative, um, when you compare him to, to John Carver, it was um, we'll, we'll be, be a bit of a godsend. 
but I think the the fact is that that Newcastle seem to to limit limit themselves to quite a shallow pool of managers now that they have to choose from every every time you you, you look for a new manager that you can see fewer and fewer managers um, that are worth their salt who would be willing to to risk um, their career risk you know risk a few years by by taking taking the reins at Newcastle because of um, the actions of the board and. Now, now the last few years, it's a, quite a negative atmosphere around the place, and any manager seems like they're going to have their hands tied um, to a certain extent there. So, I think all relative to Carver, he's he's obviously a, 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 an improvement, but it's it, it's difficult, I think, when you when you limit yourself so much to the manager you can choose from because there, there are clear deficiencies. You can see at the end of last season with Derby um, that that that, that Meany wasn't really cut out for for a top Premier League job. Yeah. I think um, you make a good point there. The club, the club have kind of set us up with this one because by giving the job to Carver for the last six months of last season, they got us all to the point where we were we were thinking anyone in anyone in the world apart from John Carver gets a job, we're going to be happy. There's that, there's, we've there's, all there's, there's, there's the kind of four or five years now of, of the kind of oh, managers having a say in transfers and say, oh well, we might as well get a manager who, who's comfortable with that set up as it was. McLaren fell into place for that as well so it's like oh yeah. well, we need someone who's going to be able to fit in, fit in with the way the club's been run people seem to have forgotten what Mike said that he was sacked by Derby and did a terrible job in the second <laughs> half of last season and nobody like nobody seems to talk about it when when he got the job we were all like well he might do well he's he's done well in Holland he did alright at Derby but in reality he didn't actually do that well at Derby no. he's I mean, fallen away in the space of three months he's mm. taken what looked like nailed on promotion dude I was no, going to say they, they. I mean, you said there were no standout teams, Mike. Yeah, I probably would. Most people would have said Derby were that standout team. Um, obviously, they had a lot of injuries, which which crippled them. But as you say, you've you've still got to have enough in within you to get the best out of the players. And one one or two sort of star star players missing. That some of the games they lost to, they weren't. It wasn't like they were just playing the, the tough the top teams. They, they they lost to some pretty poor sides within that run. And I think it just shows. A lack of um, sort of adaptability, I guess, within within his own um, sort of his, his own ideas that he, he he wasn't able to to sort of get the job done at least deliver playoffs where they would have had a chance. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing. I mean, anyone can fall away um, in a championship from being top of the league, and you, you can fall in, but to not even make the playoffs. I remember <laughs> I was up at Blackburn away that last day of the season for Ipswich, and we were throwing it away. The only reason we we edged into the playoffs at the end was because Derby Derby got done three 0 at home to Reading, who were like fifteenth or sixteenth, and absolutely we couldn't believe our luck. Um, <laughs> it was just it was just convinced the whole afternoon, despite Derby being in so poor form. They're just like, there's no way they can mess this up. Even getting a point, that'd have been yeah. alright. But um, wasn't it yeah, goal it, difference um, or something, or was it was it a point? Sorry, was it goal difference or was it a point? No, so they so they went a goal difference because because um, Brentford uh, Brentford uh, nipped in on the last day. That's as well. what I was going. I remember. They, I remember they, they what got themselves a point. Um, then that, that it could have been all right. But mm. um, yeah, to, to 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 finish eighth after after being top and, and not even getting the playoffs. It's um, that that that's beyond just a bit of bad luck with injuries. That there, there's something something wrong there. That that when you can't arrest a slide and you know may, maybe that 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 translates itself to the players I know it's not exactly the same thing but if, if you look at when you concede a goal now it's a matter of how many minutes till the next one mm-hmm. um, 
see the Chelsea game and then obviously Man City as well. Um, and I think as Ben was alluding to earlier, you wonder what he said to them at half-time when they've come in at 1-0, whether he really one, knew one, but... how to take that on, how to set them up in the second half, yeah. having been 1-0 up and knowing that that City team were going to have spells where they'd pen you back and put you under pressure. And um, yeah, it, it didn't seem like there was a plan um, to do that. It was to uh, send them out and uh, keep your fingers crossed and obviously that, that didn't go all too well. <laughs> well, Mike, I think you've hit the nail on the head. If he was given the half-time team talk at 1-0, he was doing it at the absolute wrong time. <laughs> it was 1-1 at half-time, but yeah, I'll take your point. You're absolutely right. It's, it's just... I, I don't feel like he's the sort of man who's ever going to instill some sort of fight, some sort of you know reaction out of his players. I just can't say that. That said, Southampton, first game of the season. Where did that come from? We're all thinking, oh, here we go again. I think that was more. They, they were poor, they weren't there. We, we did get lucky. They had some massive chances at the end that yeah. sort of get forgotten. Mane should have scored two or three to win it. And you sort of overlook that. At the time, I, I was one of those. I, I thought, oh, no, we were good there. But actually, looking back, that he should have really scored one or two of them. And then where were we if if, if we don't get that performance? Um, I mean, I think it just, it, it just shows that there's... You thought after a few of the games this season, you thought, oh, we're looking really solid defensively. Um, he's at least put that right where there's a bit of structure there now. People know what they're doing. And then that happens and it's it's just back to square one again. You just think, is it, you hope it's a one-off? Was it just that Aguero was that good on the day and we made a couple of errors? Or is it a, a deeper underlying problem where actually we're, we're just not, we're not good enough. We've, we've sort of been lucky so far. Um I mean, I suppose we'll keep saying it. We've we've had the toughest start so far, so we'll have played the work, the, the best the best teams, um, and we've got them out of the way. The the biggest test is going to be what's coming up. The next four games yeah, you'd, are all you've got to you've got to win just at least three of those much, four. Much rather have the points on the board, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll have had the most ridiculous fixture list to start with, and it's a mare, obviously for a new manager, new players to have that pressure building, building, having all these hard games getting no points out of them and then when it comes to games that you should be winning I'll, I'll still consider Watford one of those games that could have relieved the pressure mm-hmm. the pressure obviously has got them and it got to the players and they're just like completely capitulated first half mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it have could... the thing is the big games against the bigger sides have played well yeah. like Man City side obviously but Chelsea were, were decent Man United were, were excellent Arsenal were, were good if we weren't mm-hmm. down to 10 men we probably would have done alright it's the it's the, just the other gag results against awful teams where we've looked abysmal that that makes me think that we're we're in quite a bit of trouble. Yeah. Ben, what do we need to do to sort it out? What needs to change? Apart from Sissoko never playing again. <laughs> I was going to say this. I mean, that's that's another. You, you bring Sissoko up. Um, I mean, I think it was some someone tweeted in the week. Um, it was of the weekend. Sorry, they were really thinking he's one of the best players, and uh, I think it was Richie Smith actually. I'm sure Dodgy was tweeting him. Um, and my answer is I, I do I still think he's probably the best player in the squad but his attitude and you've said it for months and months um, and we've sort of tried to defend him but the last two games you, you cannot defend what, what he's just been non-existent um, I mean you would probably say he does look like he's been trying um, which in the past it was always well he, he sort of would show periods where he, he would sort of bust in to get forward and um it was a real effort there but just it was completely lacking and I think he's not the only one there's a couple of others within the team that you could sort of um, 
potentially put that on. But I, th- I think what the problem is, what what changes can we make? As we've just said, the squad's that ravaged. You, your hands are tied with who you can bring in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with you. Tote should have been starting ahead of Gufran. I don't know what the heck he's playing out there. Maybe it was he was worried he was injured, but then why bring him on after the the collapse? Like for twenty minutes, okay, you're giving him time, but you you probably would have been better off seeing what you could get out of him rather than playing someone out of position, which helped with with their well, yeah someone who was really good scared, in their own position. What, what was going through his head? Oh, we'll just we'll just put Gufran in. Like what? When's that ever a good idea? <laughs> yes, we all know how crap Gufran is, but. But well, McLaren, he, McLaren is, a, is a is a Premier League manager. Mm-hmm. He should see how crap Gufran is, and it should never even cross his mind I'll, to play him in centre midfield against Man City away. I was going to say, just, I would have ludicrous. I would have, I wouldn't have kicked off too much. I thought initially when I saw the team, I thought he's moved to Circo inside to deal. Well, obviously Tour wasn't playing, but and played Gufran as a but Gufran Gufran play on the wing where he might just tuck in and help defend with Babu. Yeah, but that didn't happen. But to, to be fair, first <laughs> half, I mean, I didn't really notice Gufran, but we were playing well. He, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't have said he was doing a bad job. I guess. He was just he was, on the stream. I was watching; wrong, it wasn't was a great picture, but I didn't notice him doing anything wrong. Particularly, he didn't even. He um, wasn't particularly. You know, he, he should attract the Brian, but he wasn't. He wasn't the worst player yeah. in the second half, no. from what I saw. So it's not even his fault. Like the lad's not even played a minute this season. He's not played any of the League Cup games. And we just hoid him in to start yeah, at Man City way. There was no way he was ever going to put 90 minutes in. Yes, he took him off at like 5-1 or whatever it was. But like, he just was not up for that second half. You could see he was jogging around. He was, just wasn't in the right place. Why take that risk? Why put him there? I know. That's just, it's really, really worrying Like what, what was going through McLaren's head. I yeah. mean, I, th- I think... I mean, obviously we're all very pessimistic and you can only... <laughs> take so many positives out of a 6-1 hammering but for that first sort of half an hour when we got Perez on the ball when Mitrovic was getting in the game when Yaldum was on the ball we, we did some good stuff and I think that's got to be the focus is getting them players on the ball carry on playing 4-4-2 I mean I don't know whether that'll make them panic about the formation because a hunting like that he's, he's going to be thinking oh, I've got to be more defensive whereas actually you we were doing our best stuff and we didn't give them any chances when we were on the front foot um, Mitrovic is absolutely class I've, I've seen him in a handful of games um, he's obviously had a couple of cameos at the start of the season before he got suspended where he looked like the type of player that we needed where he'll hold the ball up up front and he's he's going to help with get up the pitch the, the last two games he's been absolutely outstanding and I think Perez really works well with him um, he's he's just got a, He's got a lot of energy and he's a lot of skill and he's the perfect type of player to be allowed to sort of play almost a free role off off a striker like Mitrovic who's gonna chest and knock it down and, and gonna get him on the yeah. ball in, in the right areas and I think it's just putting the focus on getting that right. I think we've got issues at the back. Obviously, we don't have any a fit left back, um, which is probably means you, you probably need to look to sort of shore up the left side of midfield and put someone in that's gonna work back um, I'm not sure Wijnaldum's that type of player but um, it's it's just disappointing that it ended that well because it, it looked so good for, for half an hour it felt well, it felt like um, it just I know we were kind of robbed of what should have been really a lead at half time we should have been ahead it was really unfair that we weren't but it felt like he's just kind of in the half time said more of the same lads you're not going to get away with more of the same at Man City away you're not going to get 90 minutes of being able to just hammer them like that we needed to be ahead and we needed to then change it and say right 
let's just sit on what we've got, let's just take it easy a bit and we'll slow the game down. I don't know, because... But we just went out, we had four or five players in their half and we're just getting absolutely battered. You say that, but we, we did the we did what you just said then against Chelsea and we let them play and they absolutely tore when you want. They should have won the game in the second half. So I, t- I take what, you put, what you're saying. Um, like, in an ideal world, yeah, you would sort of try and show things up and try and defend a little bit more and, and pick your attacks, but we saw them do that against Chelsea um, and what all it did was it just it gave them the confidence to push on and get their playmakers on the ball and, and it gave them the, the opportunity to get forward now obviously I suppose it, it did work up to an extent because until the ramp, the Ramirez goal after 70 minutes or whatever um, they, they hadn't had like, really scoring um, and Ramirez scored a wonder goal but at the same time there was a few more um, opportunities after that and I, I just think it's, it's one of those things it's, it's difficult it's a dangerous thing to just sit back and try and defend what you've got yeah, yeah. so between us essentially we've got no solutions we've got no solutions got it's really really worrying the, the manager shite the, the team nah. is still not good enough I, I think it, I mean you, you're playing the, the before last week or whenever it was when they lost they, everyone was saying they're the nails on to win the league now so okay it was a bad defeat but we're not going to be playing Man City and Aguero every week it's not the, it's not the fact that we've got beat of Man City though it's just the, the manner of but that, that the manner of it was because they, they were so good. I don't think it was. You, you're not going to. You're, you're not going to have uh, well, Callum Wilson, you know, Andy Richard from Bournemouth taking them apart like that. No, but as, was like, as we said earlier, like though, like a normal striker would get two of those. Hi. Well, good for him when we play. Yeah. <laughs> so um, absolutely miserable. We've got a terrible couple of weeks coming up. We've got Watford at home, which is now. A, Norwich, I mean. Norwich, even which is we lost a, to Watford at home, yeah, <laughs> which has now become a huge, huge game. I hate that. We're 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 falling away now. The difference between us and the and being out of the relegation zone is only getting bigger, and it's it's getting it's getting really nervy. And then we've got the Mackens who have changed the manager again, which will come on to you. I not a good time to be a Newcastle fan again. Uh, so anyway, without without further ado, Dodzy, I've got Dodzy's game. Okay, so clue number one. I was born in April 1994. Straight on with it. And I am six foot two inches tall. Mitrovic. No. Go on. My former clubs include Newcastle, Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday. Is it not a ranger? It is not a ranger, yeah. Get it. Yeah, that's a poor one from Dodds. He's only 21. Yeah. There was uh, further clues where I scored six goals and eleven appearances for England, which must be the youth teams. No, I would have been. Um, yeah. Played for my current club since September 2014, but played only 14 times. And the last clue was I've been arrested six times. <laughs> Don't know if you all saw his like plea for no, uh, really strange, wasn't yeah, it? Weird, really weird, really weird. Um, it's probably just a moment of realization there that he's had a ridiculous opportunity and he's blown all his money. He's probably blown away. I've got no sympathy whatsoever for Niall Vega. Oh, no. I think he's a disgrace. To have to have been given the talent to play for a family club and just been like, nah, I can't be arsed with this. It's just... It's, it's unforgivable. So, it's absolutely it is, yeah, it's unforgivable. It's absolutely Didn't unforgivable. Didn't deserve another chance. Um, that was a much, much maligned Dunger's game. Yeah, well It must, must all be in the delivery because that was shite. That was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Maybe that's just why me. he's not on tonight. He knew it was a shocker, so he just thought, let someone else do it. Yeah, he did yeah. give me the game, by the way. I didn't make this one up. He did it himself. Yeah, Mickey, keep your reputation going. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, right on to the Premier League. Two, the two big talking points really this week um, are the two two manager situations. We'll start with um, Rodgers, sacked by Liverpool yesterday after a one-one draw with Everton. Um, Mike, rash, correct? What do you think? Um, no, I, I don't think it was rash at all. Um, I, I think he had three three good years and and no little money as well um, to to spend on that club. And I think at the end of the day. But not an awful lot of progress. Um, if you look aside from that, uh, that season, the season before last when they finished second, um, he's got a seventh place finish and a sixth place finish. And again, this season at the beginning of the year, um, spent big again this summer, and it and it doesn't look like there was there was much coherence about the team or, or a plan. Very much like the start of last season when it took them a long way, long time to hold the slide and, and find their form again. By which time it was too late. Um, come January time uh, and I think he obviously had a wonderful season um, in, in that second season but but it, but it seems to me looking at it that it was largely led by, by having three or four top top quality players at the front so lots of Suarez Sturridge Sterling just, just leading that team and they seemed to, to change Roger's tactics really for him and when he, when he came in from Swansea it was very much a, a tight possession um, possession, you know, a, a all cost game that they played, and and, and suddenly turned into this high pressing game um, that that seemed very much dictated by by Sturridge and Suarez themselves. And and when he didn't have that, um, when they left, and and when they they lost that confidence that that really took them to to, to within touching distance of that title, um, it, it it seemed like he, he struggled to to find a plan B over the last couple of years to 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 revive that. And I think. He had plenty of opportunities, uh, uh, and I think to be fair, that the Fenway Sports Group at, uh, at Liverpool gave him a fair crack of the whip. Um, he, he's had. We have a, a lot of talk these days about managers not getting enough time, but at the end of the day, he had, he had three years, um, and he came in. They'd finished eighth, and and last season they were, were sixth again, and didn't really seem to make much progress. I think he's the first Liverpool manager since the fifties not to have won a, a trophy in in three years in a job. Um, and, and I think it, it, it was fair enough. Um, what I will say, though, there was a, um, a, an excellent, excellent article written um, by um, uh, Neil Atkinson from from the Anfield Wrap um, the other day, um, talking about that season, Rodgers' second season, when it came so close to to winning the league, and and really make, making the point that, that that season made Liverpool fans dream and and, and love football again, which um, is 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 a real. A great accolade for Rodgers, and and rather than necessarily always focusing on the stats and, and the facts, just aside from the sixth and seventh finishes either side of that, um, the the pure joy that that season brought, um, and the football they were playing, and the the spirit of the club back again, I think um, he makes a really good point in that article about uh, how thankful Liverpool fans should be for that. I mean, not that it's the wrong season, the reason to sack him, but I think. Um, we still got to remember that season and give them a fair amount of credit because at the end of the day, that that's what that's what we live for. Going to football as football fans for those sorts of seasons where we can go to the games and, and you're not going to the games just every time you talk about the club to, to kick off for each other or or, or or look in the pit of despair, but you go and everyone's smiling. That that whole buzz around the town. Um, and and I think to be fair to Rogers, um, that should be remembered. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it was it was a fair fair decision to to let them go. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Mike. I def- I definitely think it was the right decision. I think 
personally that Rodgers gets too much credit for the season at the finish second. He's gone into Liverpool with a definitive style of football, which he verbally said repeatedly that he was going to have Liverpool playing. He tried to implement it in the first season. It didn't particularly work. In the second season, he basically just let the players do what they wanted. They were were bigger than him. Suarez, Sturridge and Sterling in particular, those three, were just so good at playing their own style of football that Rodgers just sort of stepped back and said... You, you used to what you want. That way, yeah. yeah, like wait, I mean, which any manager in their right mind would do, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. That that season for me doesn't justify. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers as a manager, and I think he's tried to go back. Losing Suarez, he's tried to go back towards his own style of football again, and they've just gotten really average again. And he spent an absolute fortune. He's had six, six maybe seven transfer winners at Liverpool, and spent big in basically every one of them. Mm-hmm. And they, they're no better than they were when he took the job. For a team like Liverpool, which is, which is now investing serious money, window after window after window, significantly above what they were before Rodgers, you've got you, you've got to be seeing significant progress, and they're worse. So I, I, I think Liverpool have made absolutely the right decision, and I personally am surprised that it's taken them so long. Yeah, I think I, I agree with both your points there. Um... In terms of the season that came second, I mean, it's a little bit like when we we came fifth. Um, everyone was ab- absolutely buzzing. We thought we've, we're on the start of something here, and then it, it just fell apart so quickly it as just, players left. Yeah, it just um, kind of overachieved. We'd overachieved yeah. on finished fifth. Oh, Liverpool of course we overachieved had. in second. They weren't quite ready to make that nah. step up in like a regular title challenges. But it it was. I mean, the the fact that obviously they had that sort of high so early in their their reign, both managers it. It's a difficult one to sort of claw back, as you said, when they lost um, Suarez, who's probably the third or fourth best player in the world at the time. You, you can't replace that. Um, and obviously losing Suarez, to, uh, sorry, Sturridge to an injury and, and then eventually Sterling as well. Um, it, he was on a hiding at nothing, but at the same time, you, you have to try and, and sort of have a bit of consistency there. Bringing in more and more players. I mean, the, the well, money spent on players like Markovic and people like that, who have then been let out. Um, it's it's just bombing. You're not going to get anywhere doing that, and you've got to have some sort of time for players to bed into a system and then impl- impl- sort of apply it. But he just didn't give them that opportunity. I haven't heard the word balmy used for like <laughs> years. <laughs> it's balmy that. <laughs> I think just to, just to finish it off though it's an interesting point raised by um, Oliver Kay from the Times earlier today and over the weekend that when you look at Liverpool and Liverpool managers uh, over over recent years many have bought short to medium term improvement which, which Rodgers essentially did over those first two seasons especially the second but but they found it hard to, to maintain that and, and, and Oliver Kay's point was whether that's down to at the end of the day Liverpool would essentially have the, the fifth biggest budget generally in the league and, and, and how hard it is for anyone really to to maintain that challenge we've seen when Liverpool have, have now been playing in Europe after that that season they finished second they had no European commitments you know they they were they were pretty free to, to focus on the league for most of the season weren't they mm-hmm. um, and, and I think when there are four teams in the league with bigger budgets that can withstand um, competition on a couple of fronts and do it season after season. Um, uh, I think there's a point to be made that that that, that a lot of managers, not just Brendan Rodgers, um, going into Liverpool uh, with the expectation there 
um, will will face a really tough job to 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 sustain what what Rogers did over one season over 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 three or four seasons in a row. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that. I think um, the next appointment for Liverpool will show that as well. It looks like it's a, a two-horse race between Klopp and uh, Ancelotti, which are basically the two opposite sides of the coin of what you were saying there. If, if they employ Ancelotti, they'll probably win a trophy over the next two years. Three years after that, he'll not still be there. The, who knows he'll be there then. The, mm-hmm. That could be rubbish. Ancelotti never stays at a club really and for very long now, does he? Klopp, on the other hand, will likely come in and build his own, his own style of play, his own team, possibly could push them back towards the top four in the long run but I would be very very surprised if he came in and won a trophy with them in the next two years it would be interesting if he if he did come in whether he would try and go back to Dortmund and poach a few of their players because Marco Royce who's been linked for for years of coming to the Premier League he was a brilliant player but he's had injury issues but he could be sort of a different difference maker and it'd be interesting if he if he could get a few of those players to come over that that would give them a a real boost and I think as I said there it's just about that you've got to build a team I mean you look at Southampton um, and the likes of Swansea the, the teams that have sort of have given Liverpool difficulties over the last couple of years in terms of challenging them for that sort of outside of the, the top five spot um, they're very consistent with their, their teams I mean they don't get a huge amount of injuries but they've they, I mean obviously Southampton had a big turnover in terms of losing all their players to Liverpool but they brought in some really good players the, the um, buy players for the wide the, positions exactly they, they came in and improved <laughs> exactly they improved the team um, you look at Tadic and Pella that came in and Mane um, they don't just look at the transfer players. market or as Graham Carter's and just go you know what we need another number 10 let's buy another number 10 which is what Liverpool have done as well they love an attacking midfielder who doesn't really have a position yes just, you need to buy players for proper positions and have an idea don't just buy players who are good but you don't have anywhere to put them. Yeah, I think Rogers in the transfer market has spent his money very, very poorly. Yeah. In, in particular, Margaret, which is obviously the one that stands out because he was like 24 million, 25 million, possibly even more. And he, he maybe played seven or eight games last year. Didn't do anything at all. Um, so, and I, I don't like Brendan Rogers either. I think he's a miserable man. He's, he's very much in my opinion in the Moyes mould of like a really whingy manager who's always got an excuse when his team doesn't perform and it frustrates me I, I mean I, that's fairly commonplace across the league but it was always really apparent with Moyes for me and I think it's quite similar with Rodgers he also frustrated me in his, his general attitude towards the media when he was at Swansea when he first came to Liverpool was very honest and he like he would always appreciate opposition's players and if, if his own players had done really well he would he would that you praise them yeah. openly and then he yeah. became I feel like he just became a big time Charlie after about six months at Liverpool and, and just thought he was thought he was better than giving honest interviews to the media and that really really annoyed me I lost a lot of respect for Brendan Rodgers then so I think he will struggle to get another decent job much like Moyes could end up going abroad or apparently he's our number one uh, target for next manager. Newcastle. Apparently so. Oh well. No, he's not our number one target. He's number no, no, Boogie's, so he's he's Boogie's, Boogie's favourite. Yeah. Sorry, not number one target. Which yeah, doesn't mean much. I'll just get a few nutters. Benton. He may do a better job at Newcastle than he did at Liverpool. There'll be less pressure. There'll be less money for him to waste. We are crying out for an actual system of football. <laughs> and he may even 
God forbid, not play four two three one. <laughs> you never know. Um, moving on, we'll go on to Sunderland, who yet again in the weeks leading up to the derby have changed manager. Now this time it wasn't the decision of the club; it was the decision of the manager. Well, leave. I don't know. It was supposedly. Mm. Uh, I think so there's some, some mutual kind of. What do you? Why do you think this has happened? Obviously, they've been shocking this season. Uh, why has it happened? Uh, because, and, uh, Mac, Mac, um, I think it's weird because <laughs> oh god, he lost my train of thought there. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> um, I think it's it's weird because he's got very attached to that club. Clearly, just from all the like the tears and stuff. Not just he last cried at the weekend as well. Cried at the weekend. He weird. cried. He cried at the end of the season when he kept them up. He obviously got a bit of an affiliation with the place, which is mental. But he did it, <laughs> and then he's, he's kind of come to the come to the acceptance that you kind of do this job. He was crap last season. He fluked a few wins and kept them up, but he was the weren't any better. A lot of draws. They weren't plenty different. He just he scraped together some points. He's won, he's won four games out of twenty. John Carver won three out of twenty, <laughs> and he's the worst manager like, ever. <laughs> his, his, John Carver's win percentage over his whole career is twenty six percent. Dick Avocat's win percentage for Sunderland was, was 19% or something like that. Like, oh, he's in the same ballpark as John Carver. Like, Mackham's were mental when they were like, oh, I'm delighted that he's staying. He's <laughs> they offered him an extra million to stay. That's how desperate they were for a shite manager with no CV. Well, he's got quite a big CV, but no real successes to speak of. Nothing nothing big. Nothing he's, to, he's another one that's not... You can't think of him ever being in a job for more no. than like a year and a half. Nothing to warrant a big Premier League job. Uh, you yeah, can consider some and it's, it's, a, it's a reasonably big club. Um, and they're just... I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand how he was ever the right man to take them any further than, than where they've been for the last four years. There was yeah. obviously nothing that was going to change. And it's come ten, ten games of the season and... He's had to accept that. He's it's, gone off crime. It's, it's quite funny though. He's he's quote that apparently back in Holland um, this week was uh, relegation isn't my cup of tea. <laughs> what the hell were you doing taking the job last season? Yeah, like the thing. The strange thing to say. The interesting thing is, is he's cut like I don't know whether he's officially said it or just alluded to it, but he he was frustrated with the club's transfer policy. Yeah, yeah, the short, didn't he? So um, it's, it's a cop out though, isn't it? Well. It, oh. It is and it isn't because it's true. Like Sunderland are, are, are abysmal in the transfer market. Yeah. Have been for years. Oh, of course. But so for me, Sunderland's problems and they keep they keep solving it just just by changing the manager at the right time and just scraping it, scraping through they, they the very always, end they of always, the season. They sign like seven or eight players, and one of them's good. Like this, uh, this Jeremy Lenz guy looks Lenz, looks really yeah. good. Great goal. Another, another cracking goal the weekend. But um, the problem they got Defoe last season. They got. You know they always they always get one who just does enough, gets them a few goals, gets them like three points in the Premier League these days is massive. Yeah, like any game and Sunderland always manages to just get enough. Um, yeah, but that's, um, I think I think that's a point. Is now we touched on it last week. There, there's no strategy. There's no strategy behind no. the signing of the players, and there's certainly no strategy behind the hiring of the managers because it's three times in a row now they've had managers who have kept them up and then because they've kept them up coming in halfway through a season they've give, they've given them the job when it's a a completely different kettle of fish coming in and, and having the team from, from the start of the year and, and being your team and playing that through pre-season and the way you play um, as opposed to coming in and, and doing a firefighting job halfway through the year um, so there, there's just there's just no strategy in any 
any element of of, uh, of of the way the clubs run, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's quite easy to see why they're why they're nagged. Yeah, the the problems at Sunderland run significantly deeper than any managerial appointment. They need to start buying players that can actually play football. Well, it's it's just I mean, and it's easy to where I want to talk, but they've got no one who has a clue about football, like. High up in the club, yeah. Lee, Lee Congerton's clearly an absolute moron. Another, he? Has he actually left? He left last week, I think. Did he? Uh, I think he's still left. He hasn't left. Is he? I thought there was there's been there's been talk that he it. might walk out the door as well, oh, but he's right. not he's not said it yet. And Sam Allardyce will not come to that club if he's still there. Mm-hmm. But they've got no one else who has a clue about football. Congerton's the closest thing to like a football bloke. I don't even know anything about him, but. I don't even know who he is. until the until this stuff went on the, with Dick Avocat. I'm sure he'll just be them. sitting in the boardroom going, "What the fuck do I do now? I don't, <laughs> I don't know any football managers. Do you know anyone? Like they're just ringing people up. Do you know anyone who can manage a football? They haven't got a clue what they're doing. I don't know where they plucked Dick to Advocat from. Like it's just it's just the worst club <laughs> yeah, in the, the world. Well, the second worst club behind Aston Villa. <laughs> uh, moving on from Sunderland because they're just awful. I tell you. The only pride I'm taking out this season is how bad they are and Villa, but Christ. Know, but Until we win a game, we can't really revel in it, can you? We're worse almost, aren't we? Um, final point of the day, I think it's it's only fair that we um, talk about Arsenal, who looked absolutely brilliant against Man United, particularly in the first 20 minutes. In particular, I know Sanchez got those two goals, but I thought Ozil was just unbelievable. Some of his like some of his little moments, his little touches were just out of this world. Mike, what did you think of the game? Do Arsenal get the credit they deserve? Yeah, I think they I think they should on this occasion. I think it's uh, it's fair enough because we've slagged them off um, quite a lot um, over the over the past year or so. Um, but they're excellent. I think we said last week that it would be great just to see a team run at Man United. And pushed them wide, pull them this way and that, and and Arsenal were excellent. I mean, they started absolutely on fire, and I think you're right, Mickey, with that with that Ozil point. Um, and, and I think with Theo Walcott playing, it pushes teams back an extra few yards, and that gives Ozil like, a spacer behind to really get up, get on the ball, and pick those passes. And I think I think he was absolutely excellent there. And when you've got the likes of Sanchez backing him up as well, um, I, th- I thought Arsenal were were brilliant, and it was really really nice to see comes with the obvious caveat as we always say that Arsenal will always do this at one point in the season they'll always give you a, a reason to hope um, that, that, that they can do something in the year that they'll give you a few performances like this but what they need to do now um, is, is not just do this in a run of form after they've you know after they've had a shocking result like in the Champions League the other week but they need to do this when, when they're not playing well they're not going to play like that every every week and it's not going to come off if you look at the the same fixture last year I think Arsenal at home to Man United if I remember rightly Arsenal played really well um, in that first half uh, it, it could have could have scored a few goals against United that game um, ended up losing the game 2-1 so it's not always going to happen like that they're not always going to score three goals in the 20 minutes so you hope now that they can they can take that confidence and just be able to adapt in games and, and grind it out so that so that those games actually mean something when, when they play so well Um I, th- I think it's uh, it's there for the taking for Arsenal again, as it has been for the last few years. If you look at the other teams, Van Gaal, United, not at all convincing, as as was shown on Sunday. Chelsea having their problems. Man City have still got plenty of defeats in them as well. I think Arsenal, 
it's there for them to to, to push on and, and and really have a strong season. But they they need to grasp that and that and they need to they need to show they can win when when it doesn't happen for them like it did on Sunday. But um, having said that, I was uh, I was delighted to see them actually someone attack United and, and explode explode expose um, the the. the, the uh, I'm just making up for Dodgy not being on. Someone's gonna. Go I was on. gonna say I, I can't believe Dodgy <laughs> hasn't come on just to come in and have a rant at RVG yeah. <laughs> and say some words. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I think it, 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 it was as we've seen United a few times this season. They start the games really slowly and have a have a very one pace midfield, and I think Arsenal were the, were the first team to really expose that and, and go for them and. And, uh, and, and and make that clear for all to see. And I think it'll be interesting to see how, how United wrapped um, in the games in the coming weeks to that because you'd like to think teams would see that and, and start going for them and, and moving them around in that midfield because they, they can certainly be got at. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think the result of the weekend says more about Man United than it does about Arsenal. Um, two questions I've got for all three of you. Will Arsenal challenge for the title this year? Yes or no? No. Ben? No. Mike? Um, I think they'll finish second, but again, they'll, they'll fade in the last couple of months of the season. They won't, they won't be that close now. Yeah, totally agree. It's the same story every year. Uh, as you said, they, they consistently, year on year, get these results against the big teams where they batter them, and everyone says, Arsenal are going to win the league. All the Arsenal fans come back out of the woodwork and like, Wenger's the best manager ever. And then come February, they'll start losing stupid games against Stoke at home, 1-0. And it'll be they'll be straight in again, Wenger out, yeah. they'll fade away I, I, I agree I think they'll probably finish second because Chelsea have been rubbish City are going to win the league and but you know it'll, it'll not be a close second they'll be 10 points adrift and they'll be out of the running with like with like 8 games to go again the, Arsenal, the problems for Arsenal is that they haven't bought a good centre half and they've only now just bought a decent goalie and it's been the same, the same story for 10 years uh, second question will Man United finish in the top 4 Sorry. Oh, I think they will, yes. Ben, I think they will as well. Mike, yeah, I, I think I think they'll find a way. Yeah, even if Chelsea turn themselves around, Man U are still going to finish above Tottenham and Liverpool. Well, yeah, exactly. It's Chelsea, Man City, yeah. Arsenal, and Man U. I think. Yeah. That it's only coming for Man United because the rest of the league is nowhere near. Not because they're any good. They got. I think they got really sure. Well, they've, they've already amassed. They did. They've already amassed a fair amount of points. They've shown they can beat the, the shite team, so to speak. Yeah. I don't think they'll have trouble getting to the top four. They're not the going to get any time, though, I mean, I know they're three 0 down, but Arsenal were poor setting half. They basically stopped playing. Well, they just they didn't kill me on me bloody RFF. They they Paul Sanchez was going to run wild on them, and he bloody <laughs> gave up halfway through. There was Furious. no need for Arsenal to risk all their attacking players just legging it forward when they were three 0 up. And so comfortable, like yeah. Arsenal, have, the cal- have got the caliber of players that can just pass a game out. Uh-huh. If that, if I was an Arsenal fan, God forbid, that's exactly what I would have wanted. Just shut the game down. Don't give my United anything. I think they did it right. Um, we'll just quickly, I think, mention Chelsea. What's going on, Mike? Have you got no more quotes from some Southern journalists? <laughs> you've, you've had a few. <laughs> got any more London mates you want to plug? Yeah, bit bit research side. No, never does any harm. <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, none particular on Chelsea. Um, just uh, uh, I, mean, I don't know if you want to lead in that side, but um, I think it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it, to see see Mourinho under a significant amount of pressure. I think think probably more pressure than, than we've seen him under in, in a club since maybe the 
the last time when he left Chelsea. Um, he's he's really got his back up against the wall at the moment, hasn't he? He has. Yeah. I think uh, what I wanted to talk about with Chelsea is I just think we've seen the end of John Terry. I think he's come up. He's come back from his summer holidays and forgotten how to play footy. He looks out of place. He looks really slow. He's not getting the foot in where he used to get the foot in. He doesn't even look as strong. Doesn't look as dominant in the air. He just he looks. He looks a shadow of what he was yeah. last year. I don't I understand how it's happened to him. I think these he's been sort of left that hung out to dry dry a bit by Matic and Fabregas not helping him out, sort of protecting him. And also now I think teams were were scared. They respected Chelsea far too much last season. And I think after that first game, the Swansea who went and sort of showed teams that actually that they're, they're not as good as as everyone thinks they are. I think teams are going and having a bit more of a go now. We certainly did last week, and, and we got a point for it. Um, yeah. And I think it's just teams realise actually that now's a good time to sort of get get after them. Yeah, I think um, the weird thing with I mean, obviously John Terry, you're right, you're absolutely right. He doesn't get any support. He's clearly getting to a stage where he's starting to struggle. But Chelsea haven't got the kind of players who are going to back him up and and you know work that extra bit harder for him. But I think what's that shouldn't funny, have to happen at a club like no, Chelsea, no, yeah. it shouldn't. But I can't remember if it was Alan Brazil or someone alluded to it the other day like Mourinho's never really had to deal with a team that's like this out of form he's never in his career as, as a manager had like you know eight or nine games in a row where his team's been shit yeah, you know he's, he's always just been barely Real Madrid Porto he's never been, even with like the first time at Chelsea he never really went through a patch like this where he's had to really turn around the form and this it's a real test of his character and, and it's something we've never seen from him before like him struggling and having to you know, dig deep and find a way to get out of the kind of slide that they're in. So it's interesting. I don't think you can write them off just yet. But you know, he called for his head soon. He needs to do something. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he should. Yeah, they should be questioning his ability. And the one thing that I would question is is why he didn't get any any big signings in the summer. We hear it time and time again um, how hard it is to to defend any league title anywhere around the world. But to, you'd expect a Mourinho in particular who's so big on, on keeping players on their toes and so ruthless um, with players you'd expect him to bring in at least one if not two big big players um, to, to, to push that team on um, and to, to keep that hunger there to bring a, a fresh challenge for opposition something different for them to think about than the Chelsea were last season just mix it up a bit um, and I was I was very surprised that, I mean whether that was down at Mourinho we knew he tried to get John Stones um, whether the, 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 there's other 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 things to blame, but I think at the end of the day, if if, if the manager doesn't get get those players in, um, they, then you've got to you've got to ask some questions. And uh, it seemed very out of character um, for Mourinho to me to to leave that squad and, and it, almost as if they were he just allowed them to rest on their laurels over over the summer and and they've not they've just not been at the races um, at all um, and I think I think not bringing in those, a couple of big signings over the summer um, has quite a big part to play with that yeah it looks like missing out on Stones was um, it's, it's going to be quite costly for Chelsea this year it, even just having him waiting in the wings might have spared Terry on a bit or, or Zuma or he would have played himself so, I mean Stones has looked excellent for Everton this season Ben we all well, I think me in particular disagreed with you at the start of the season when you said that Chelsea should have strengthened. Uh, I said they didn't need to. How wrong I was. How yeah, wrong. You were. Yeah, I think that'll just about do for this week, lads. Uh, we'll finish up with 
the world famous and better than doggers size game. Oh, thanks, Mickey. Should we just crack on? Uh, we'll stick some music in there, should we? Right? Nah, nah. fire line. Right. Cue the music. <laughs> and we're back for size game. We're going to edit that later. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> just say your game, please. <laughs> Do you want to stop it? Something? No, 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 just, just carry on. This, right, just um, tell us your bloody players. I've slightly adapted the, uh, the the game. So this New is, game? Well, it's a sort of the same, but it's teammates still. But this player is played with all of these um, at the same club. So it's at Newcastle. So these are all during this player's time at Newcastle. So I've got to work out from the players. Oh, right, okay, I'll get you. Did you Steve just Harbour? say Steve Harbour? <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.